That is that is the last thing I'll say before we start is is we will interrupt each other because of the internet delay and just like don't feel bad about it. about it's gonna be i have a bone to pick with you because you spelled my name wrong in a text message today i it was voice to text okay i I was i said i was like hey dagny blah 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 and you know what just because my phone decides there should be an e in your name doesn't mean that i don't know that your name doesn't have an e in it you've known me for 27 years i've known you since um um uh what's that thing called that's right birth yeah um where you stole my baby bop and no, you. The story is Billy brought me his baby bop doll no, as no, a no. gift when I was born. It no, was no, purchased no. for you. Yes, it was bought for me, a baby bop doll. And Billy brought it to the hospital the first time he ever met me after I had become a human in the world. And uh, he let me, I guess, hold it for a little while, and then he took it back. And it stayed in your closet until our parents moved. And uh, I think it's packed away somewhere. It still exists. But yeah, you took it away from me because you wanted to have that baby bop. I did. I stole baby bop. So rude. I'll never forget it. I know. My newborn self is still mad about that. But just just for the record, Dagny is spelled D-A-G-N-Y. Only five letters. There is no E. There is no F. There is no P-H. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'll have to post sometime uh, so the world can see all the ways that Starbucks baristas have spelled my name incorrectly, like Dangy and. That's my uh, favorite. Dangy yeah. is a good one. Dangy is hilarious. It's a good. It's a good time. Uh, my name is not that hard, but apparently very, very difficult for some people. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Billy, you want to introduce the show? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome to the Poptimist, and no matter where you're listening, we're glad to have you. I meant to say when, no matter when, that's the good morning, good afternoon. I'm your host, Billy, and my sister is over there. She's my other co-host. Hey, what's your name? My name's Dagny with no E. That's correct. Dagny with no E. Welcome to the show. Poptimist is a pop culture breakdown pod focused on optimism. We like to talk about pop culture in a way that talks about what we like about it, and we don't want to nitpick and talk about what we don't like, but also, more specific, sometimes, often, we want to talk about things in pop culture that you love that most people don't. We talked about Halle Berry's Catwoman that one time for like a long time, and like people hate that movie. It was great. How are you feeling today, Dagny? <laughs> I'm feeling good. I'm on my second cup of coffee. I love your Dr. Uh, Dr. Phil really coffee enjoy... mug. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to get into it. There was a BuzzFeed article yesterday that really made me laugh, but I'm not going to talk too much about it because I am employed by him currently. So, All right, we'll uh, shut up about Dr. Phil. Yeah, he's quite a guy. Uh, but I do want to tell you about my thing this week that I yeah. consumed. Um, yeah, tell me about your pop culture show, nonsense. Uh, shockingly, even though Second episode where Dagny didn't bring in a TV show. I know, it's crazy. Um, it's actually a movie. Uh, and it recently came out, so I'm not going to get into spoilers. But I do want to talk about it because I wasn't sure if I liked it for the first 30-ish minutes. And then I was more on board uh, because every character is bad. Not like bad acting, but they're they're all bad people. Um, okay. And the movie is called I Care A Lot, and it's on Netflix. <laughs> I, I saw the trailer for that with uh, Rosamund Pike. Yes. And, and he has a lot of Gone Girl energy. <laughs> yes. Um, in the trailer, there was a lot of Gone Girl energy. And then um, um, actress extraordinaire, whose name I'm forgetting. Uh, uh, yes. Diane, um, Diane Weist. Yes, I think. What? Yeah. Uh, I think that's what her name is. She, I was just looking at it. I almost wrote her name down. You know what yes. I'm talking about. Diane Weist. Weist. Okay, great. <laughs> Maybe you're cool. saying her name wrong and I feel terrible. Weist? Weist? Anyway. <laughs> We'll, we'll look it up and correct it. Also, our guest right now, she knows. So as soon as we bring her in, we'll have her correct us for it. Um, but yes, I Care A Lot is, um, it's a it's a very fun movie. It's a, a fun new take, in my opinion, on a, a con woman movie or even a little bit of like a heist movie kind of. Um, there's some aspects of that to it. Uh, and it's in for if you ha- for anybody listening, if you haven't seen it, don't watch the trailer. The trailer really gives a lot away in my opinion. <laughs> don't you hate that? Yeah, because I was telling my boyfriend about it. I was like, oh, let's watch the trailer. And I got like 45 seconds into the trailer and I was saying, this is really giving away a lot of the movie. <laughs> um, so 
don't watch the trailer, just go right into it. Um, and Rosamund Pike is wonderful. But essentially, she's running this con where she is uh, a legal guardian to people. Um, and she Which specifically is, sorry, out. keep going. Sorry, I'll tell, go I have a, I have, no, no, I was interrupting you with a thought and you weren't done. I will tell you the thought <laughs> when you're done. <laughs> I'm just telling people the, pre, the breakdown to see if you're interested in something like this, you should watch it. But basically, she's, uh, her job is a, as a legal guardian or a caretaker to people. Um, and she specifically seeks out people that don't have uh, any living family or any people that are going to inherit, yada, yada. Um, and she has a doctor that she's friends with that helps her with this con. Um, and by diagnosing elderly people as some, like they can't take care of themselves anymore. So she helps with this heist. And I assume she gets some money from it as well. But that's all kind of the setup at the beginning. Um, and once she gets these people as her, um, once she becomes their caretaker, conservatees. Okay. Thank you. I couldn't remember the word. Um, she, and on her wall, well, she has I, like, yeah. a pyramid of like all of her, uh, uh, conservatees. Oh, Wally. <laughs> Sorry. Is Wally, is Wally's making an entrance onto the podcast? Wally dog. It's just neighbors. It's the first time that he's it's... never, he's ever barked on the podcast. Cause he is a, a barky dog. Well, we haven't, we haven't had any neighbors and now we do. They live directly across the hall. Right. So they have people come upstairs and he just, he sits by the front door sometimes. He's good. He just got kidnapped Aww. by the boyfriend into the other room. um anyway i just basically she like drains their account sells their assets and then keeps all the money for herself and makes a lot a lot of money um and one of the best parts was i hadn't watched the trailer i didn't know who was in this movie um and you get like 30 minutes in she's like doing really well finds this one woman that she's conning she's very rich and it seems to be going well for her and then we get this they're in a cafe this lovely shot of pastries and macaroons and it keeps panning and it's Peter <laughs> Dinklage <laughs> and I didn't know he was in the movie um and Peter he's, Dinklage he's like a kind of a low-key mafia member um and nice. it's a lot of fun nobody is a good person and I really like the ending um because uh you're like I found myself rooting for Rosamund Pike and I was very satisfied with the end because even though she's a terrible person, we had like a good, uh, a good resolution where everybody got what they deserved and also like got what they deserved. Uh, if you know what <laughs> I just, it's great. Anyway, that's all. The the thought I had was, was this is actually what people who scam the conservative ship program do mm-hmm. talking about free Britney again. There was actually a, a group of conservative conservators who, got control of Britney's estate, who also basically stole a man's home by claiming he couldn't take care of himself and getting this otherwise mentally capable man put into a conservatorship just because he was like a little bit older. Um, it's a real oh, thing and wow. it's horrible. Listen to the Britney Graham I... podcast for all the details. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know it was an actual con that people did. And I thought this movie was mostly fictional. And then I was talking to Carlin uh, last night, <laughs> who's been on the podcast. Um, and Bottom half, no said, holes. Yeah, <laughs> she the said there's a, there's a whole episode of the series Dirty Money on Netflix, which I haven't watched. That's all about this con that people do. Yeah, with it's horrible. They take, they, they take yeah. elderly people's houses and put them in homes against their will because they have no family and they they claim that they're mentally incapacitated and they're not it's awful that's crazy um uh, but I've got, I know we I've took got something... a, a went yeah. dark there for a second, but I, it's a good movie. You should check it out. I care a lot. It's <laughs> Rosamund Pike is a delight, um, and Peter Dinklage is also very fun. Mm. So it's a good cast. It's a fun time, uh, and the ending I found very satisfying. Okay, Billy, go ahead. <laughs> so I I I kind of want to do two. I'll try to be quick because they're both pretty quick. Um, okay. <laughs> I also watched a movie, and it was yeah. a masterclass in stupidity. And I say that with so much love. It's an unbelievably stupid film, and I highly uh-huh. recommend it. And that movie is called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. And <laughs> what is that on? You don't know Barb and Star? I think you have to rent it. I think we rented it. Do you know anything about Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar? I don't. I've heard, Kristen, I think I heard the Kristen title Wig on like and Annie Malone or something. It's Kristen uh, Wig. No. Okay. It's, um, uh, it's, it is literally just like a classic stupid comedy. Barb and Star, mm-hmm. here's the poster for everyone that isn't on the show to not see. Um, so oh, I kind of see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the plot of this movie is Barb and Star are best friends and they've been best friends forever, but their lives are kind of boring because they, they work in this furniture store and it gets closed. And then they see a pamphlet 
for Vista Del Mar, where it's all people in their 40s and they're all having a great time. And so they go to Florida and have an adventure. Uh-huh. Um, but at the meantime, and they're, okay. I mean, they, you know, they're caricatures of like 40 year old women from the Midwest. They are hilarious and lovable. And in Vista Del Mar, they get wrapped up in a plot by a supervillain to, <laughs> to destroy Vista Del Mar. I cannot, <laughs> at this level, this movie always unafraid to level up the stupid at every point and it is so funny literally turn your brain off and just appreciate the jokes and the (laughs) skillful comedy um and also the romantic interest is um what's his name from 50 shades of gray uh jamie dornan is the is the like romantic lead it's i mean it's so funny and just the cast (laughs) in general other than um annie momolo whose name i'm saying wrong um, who wrote Bridesmaids uh-huh. with Kristen Wiig, as well as Kristen Wiig and Jamie Dornan. We've got Damon Wayans, um, Kristen Wiig playing a separate part. Like, the cameos are hilarious. Fortune Feimster, it has a really small part in it, in a role I'd never seen her do anything like, and it's hilarious. Barb and Star, Go to Vista Del Mar, huh. is a, a, a <laughs> shining recommendation from me. It, I mean, so dumb. So what a, <laughs> It was Trish. It was Trish. If anyone's seen it, they'll laugh at that. <laughs> um i yeah. i saw or yesterday i had the um uh carlin was over and she's she's going through some stuff right now and she's like let's just watch something silly and i was like oh well we could watch coming to america um to coming to america but she hadn't seen the first one so we watched the first one which um is nice. still fun it's a fun movie uh, i still need to watch the new one that just came out um but i was we were in the mood of like wow what's a stupid silly movie to watch and if yes. I had known, I would have absolutely watched that last night. But I've been in the mood to just uh, watch. I will send you the trailer after stuff. this. It's okay. it's bananas. Yes. I'll watch it. I'm excited. It sounds um, and, very fun. And my other short blurb, just because it's it's I, it's a weirder thing. I watched uh-huh. all of the episodes of Pretend It's a City on Netflix. What's that? Which is a, a documentary about Fran Lebowitz. Kind oh. of. Um, okay. Um, it's it's literally just Martin Scorsese following her around for seven episodes and recording her complaining about things, and it's so charming. And <laughs> That's uh, fun. Uh, it, it it was actually a little bit inspiring for me because my favorite thing about Fran Lebowitz is that she famously had writer's block for ten years. Um, yeah. And she talks about that a little bit. She talks about uh, her work and and her looking back on her life and all of the famous people she's known in New York for. I mean, like working with Andy Warhol and how she, <laughs> this is the last episode. Um, how they didn't get along and she basically was she said and she goes and i sold all of my warhols three weeks before he died she goes once again making terrible <laughs> business decisions as soon as he died prices skyrocketed dying was great for him like um she, she's hilarious it was just great so it's seven episodes it's really lighthearted. i would like watch it while i was cooking um and she's what is it called again? pretend it's a city and that's a quote she says in the first episode where she's she says no one in new york looks where they're going i'm the only one i just tell people <laughs> pretend it's a city and maybe <laughs> maybe we won't run into each other. Um, yeah, it's just I I really liked Funny. it. It was really easy to watch, and I think more people should check it out. But also because Fran Lebowitz is is way more obscure than she's ever been, and it's kind of nice to be like, remember Fran Lebowitz? She's fucking hysterical and incredibly brilliant. <laughs> so Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar and pretend it's a city. Coming to you live from me, Billy nice. Dagny. I think I think it's guest time. <gasps> I think so too. I'm very excited for our guest today. Um, so a few things about her. She's delightful. She's gorgeous. <laughs> She's a RuPaul's Drag Race stan. She's a movie buff. And also she trained me to talk about The Godfather one time and told me some really great stories about Stage 29 at Paramount Studios. Um, so everybody, please welcome to the stage, Bridget Smith. There we go. Did you make sure we unmute Bridget? Okay. Yay. There she is. Bridget, Hi. welcome. Hi. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for that introduction. I'm so glad that, you know, I impacted your life by telling you about The Godfather and <laughs> Dr. Phil. <laughs> yep. We've had, when we had Noah on the podcast, I was like, I remember he taught me to talk about a parking lot. And I knew that Bridget taught me how to talk about The Godfather and how it was created. Um, I love yeah. it. So you're the sec- third trainer that I had when I started giving tours that we've had on this podcast. Um, yeah. So anyway, Bridget, I asked you how you're doing, but um, yeah, you're looking stunning. How's Oklahoma treating you? 
Thank you. It's good. It's we're getting spring weather. I'm a little nervous um, moving into tornado season because I haven't lived here in five years. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of mentally preparing for that. You know that yeah, Dagny and I, I went to we went yeah to we went to school in Oklahoma. Yeah, I do, and I think Dagny, aren't we sisters? Weren't you a Gamma Phi? Gamma Phi Beta. Phi beta. We <laughs> yes, like to sing we songs sisters. and we do uh, things with our hands. <laughs> all coming back to yes, me but yeah schools, but yeah i want to get into it bridget um i know you've listened to many episodes so you kind of know the format so i would love to know uh what's your hot take or your subject that you brought in for us today i'm so I, excited i have i'm a fan of the pod so i'm so happy to be here today and i brought a film that i'm very passionate about um and i also think it's just a movie that people need in their lives it's a feel-good movie i have a little bit of an intro here um but it's a feel-good comedy fantasy holiday movie um and it stars a two-time academy award-winning actor one of the and one of the greatest pop stars of all time and for some reason only has a 52% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, which I find so disrespectful with a little knocked over popcorn bucket. And the film is The Preacher's Wife <laughs> from 1996. The Preacher's So oh, I'm getting I don't a know much about this. Billy and Dagny. I, as they're seen, it stars Denzel Washington, Whitney Houston, and Courtney B. Vance. This yeah. cast is incredible, you guys. I'm so excited to talk <laughs> to you. That is about it. incredible. <laughs> I so, am I literally I know almost nothing about this movie and I'm on the cast list right now and beyond friend of the pod Whitney Houston who gets brought up all the time lately. Love her to death. <laughs> also tap dancing legend Gregory Hines, he's Jennifer Lewis, villain. Loretta Devine, Lionel Richie. Are you kidding oh, he's me? The with villain? You guys, let's unpack what? it. So if I'll give you a, a quick synopsis yeah. and then get into the cast and then get into the plot because the plot's a little bananas. Okay. But one thing to know is, so this is a remake of a 1947 film called The Bishop's Wife. It starred Cary Grant in the Denzel Washington role, David Niven in the Courtney B. Vance role, and Loretta Devine. Nope, Loretta Young, sorry. <laughs> Loretta Young as uh, the wife. <laughs> and it's actually based on a novel, which I didn't know until I did research, which is from like 1928. But the premise is the preacher, he's oh, wow. a good guy. He's really overwhelmed. He's kind of feeling like a failure in his role as um, a preacher. The church isn't making enough money. The Children's Youth Center just got shut down. And he's kind of questioning what he can actually do to help his congregation. And so he prays um, for help. He just asks God for help. And all of a sudden, the clouds open and from the sky drops an angel in the form of Denzel Washington and he is there to help. Correct form. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's perfect. Oh and what God. I love too is he is wearing a trench coat and a fedora and I feel like it's very much a throwback to the bishop's wife because he is dressed very similarly to Cary Grant and it also gives you the idea that when he was alive, he would, probably was in the 1940s was the last time he was um, on earth and the the names are the same as the original. So Dudley is the angel, Henry is the preacher, oh, cool. and Julia is the wife. Mm -hmm. Oh, very cool. I love that. That it's I mean, it's not an exact remake, but they definitely like acknowledge that they that this has existed before. So that's great. Uh, okay, cool. And uh you said you wanted to get into the cast, correct? Yes, just because I think it will um if not, I'll backtrack too much telling the story because the cast is such a uh, like who is playing who is so important. So, oh my goodness, Jennifer Lewis is playing Whitney's mom. So one thing we need to address that I, so I've watched this film. I was 12 years old when it came out, watched it when it came out, owned it on VHS, which I didn't own very many movies mm -hmm. growing up. I think I was gifted it, but I own this and I own the soundtrack. Like I was into it from, from the go. And I never questioned the fact that Jennifer Lewis is only six years older than Whitney Houston and she's playing her mother. <laughs> yes. Never noticed that yes. until a few years ago. I'm like, wait a minute. Jennifer Lewis is not very old. She's a year older than my mother. She's She looks great. She's doing great. She's, you know, she's in blackish. Um, I think this is probably, I feel like almost the height of her career right now. She's everywhere. 
but yeah, she plays Whitney's mom. And you know, ne- I yeah, never once questioned it because she's so good in this role. And I feel like a lot of other actors could have probably easily been overshadowed acting um, across from Denzel Washington and just being in a scene with, you know, Whitney Houston, but she owns mm-hmm. every scene she's uh-huh. in. <laughs> she owns everything. That's very funny. The, the age difference. It's like a, a Cher and Meryl Streep in Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Oh, uh, yeah. I think Cher is maybe like two or three years older than Meryl and uh, is playing her mom in it, which honestly, I would watch that movie any day. <laughs> Mamma Mia, here well, we go I again. Mean, I love it. And to get like um, ghost Meryl Streep <laughs> is a gift. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. I will argue that that movie is good until the day I die. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Preacher's <laughs> Wife. That's such a it's such a fun and yeah, that cast is an all star cast. Um, what year again did you say it came out? It was early 1990s. 1996. 1996. Okay. So it's yeah, and it's the year after Waiting for Exhale, which actually three of these cast members, Gregory Hines, uh, Whitney Houston, and Loretta Devine, are all in Waiting to Exhale. Very cool. That's awesome. Um, okay, I, I usually ask everybody this, but um, Bridget, why did this movie like stand out to you and why do you love it? <laughs> I think initially, you know, as, as a 12-year-old, I, I've always loved Christmas movies. I love good music. And Whitney Houston, especially as a child of the 90s, I mean, she was just the greatest singer of all time. There was no questioning it it was like it wasn't like oh are you a Whitney Houston fan it was just like oh no she's she's the greatest voice we've ever heard so I was just mesmerized uh, by that and then as I you know the years go on I would always watch it at Christmas time just for nostalgia but it's also a feel-good movie like and now I do ugly cry when I watch it but I think that's just more (laughs) because every time Whitney sings I just am so overwhelmed But um, she sings throughout. It's not really a musical because she's only singing when she's in the choir. Um, But it's just a good time. And you know, going into it, you're like, yes, this is a fantasy movie, but you know, everything's going to be okay. And I always, it just puts me in the best mood every time I watch it. That's so good. So is it like mostly a Christmas movie? Does it, is it just because it takes place at Christmas or is there like a certain aspect to it that makes it specifically a Christmas movie? No, you're right. And I was thinking of that when I was kind of going through the plot, it takes place at Christmas time. And so the main kind of plot point is they don't have enough money. I'll, I'll be really honest. When I started getting into this plot, I kind of was getting confused on what like the ticking you know bomb was because I'm like what is the point of it um other than you, just get, to look at, you get to look at Denzel Washington and Whitney Houston which that alone is enough to watch it um but there's a, a lot of different oh, yeah. subplots going on they have the preacher and his wife have a child whose best friend is um living with a grandmother but child protective services basically they're about to put him in a foster home so that's a big thing that you're you're worried about you're worried about mm-hmm. a teenager um a teenager who the preacher had helped previously and really turned his life around but now he's being um framed for a crime that he didn't commit and so the preacher's trying to help get him out of jail um the they're not making enough money like in the offering to fix like the boiler that's broken in the church. And so the villain that comes in during, while all this turmoil is happening, the wonderful Gregory Hines, like you said, tap dancer, uh, Broadway actor, he is a real <laughs> estate developer. And if we learn- He's a it, childhood he, icon of mine. Oh, really? Well, you should, well, even more reason to watch yeah. this. Um, he, and his, I know. <laughs> his introduction is great because it's literally like you see him on a billboard and they're like, oh, Joe Hamilton. He's a real estate developer. And then you see like a commercial. And so, you know, you're like, I probably didn't even know what a real estate developer was when I first watched this, but I knew he was bad news. You don't like him, uh, which is often a plot like in Hallmark <laughs> movies. But he basically wants to buy <laughs> the church, knock it down and build like, you know, condos or a shopping mall um, in this community. How dare he? Honestly, there's so, now that I'm thinking about it, I've never put that stereotype or like that, uh, yeah, I guess that stereotype together of uh, that there's a lot of movies where real estate developers are the bad guys because they're like, we want to tear down this town center that everybody loves. It's like that 1980s, (laughs) it's the 1980s, 1990s kind of trope 
That's mm-hmm. the, I mean, even Rent. That's why Benny's the asshole in, yeah. in the musical Rent. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, it makes a lot of sense that that's like a, a bad guy, essentially. But I've never really thought about how many times that's been used in a movie, um, especially like 80s and 90s movies that they use that trope. Anyway, that yeah, I just I had that realization just now that real estate tycoons are the bad guys. Exactly. Almost like cartoonish, you know, the way they make him. But um, and another big mm. p- plot point throughout the movie that really makes this crazy is that as Denzel is trying to help the preacher. The preacher's so busy. He he kind of lets him and he does hire him as like a basically an advisor, which Loretta Devine is his secretary. And she is like terrified because she's afraid she's getting replaced. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I have four kids. Like I can't get hired. And he's <laughs> like, everything's going to be okay. So one um, thing, sorry, my clock's going off in the background. I apologize if you can hear that. Um, I love it. It's soothing, honestly. It's like it's like a nice <laughs> flashback. It's nostalgic. I'm so glad. Um, <laughs> but one thing about Dudley, the angel, that happens <laughs> multiple times is he, when he shakes your hand, you're all of a sudden, you feel calm, like you trust him. It's just like this undescribable feeling. So anytime somebody is like distrusting him or freaks out because he tells them, or he tells the preacher anyways that he's an angel and he doesn't believe him, of course, and thinks he's crazy. Um, but everything's fine after he, he shakes your hand. So once he shakes Loretta Devine's hand, she's like, okay, I'm cool with this. And she realizes she's not losing her job. So as he's trying to help the preacher, he's getting closer to Whitney Houston and ultimately falling in love with her. Um, so it's a very odd, um, yeah. And, okay. and, she, and she's like, you know, kind of floating back. Did you say the preacher was falling in love with Whitney Houston? No, the angel. The angel. Okay, yeah, I wasn't. Uh, sorry, I sorry. missed it, which one. So Denzel Washington is falling in love with Whitney Houston. Yes, and um, and I'm sorry, I just realized I didn't describe okay, Courtney B. Vance very well. <laughs> but one thing we need to know about him: this was really his one of his first leading roles. He's married to Angela Bassett, which is the main thing I know about him. But he also um, played Johnny Cochran in American <laughs> Crime Story yeah. uh, back in 2016, which I think really put him. Yeah. Um, yes map for a lot of people so he's the preacher and yeah this plot point is going on where they're falling uh kind of falling in love with each other and there's two scenes in particular that one is really my favorite scene that I want to kind of unpack for you a little bit because they're Denzel's telling um he's trying to help their marriage basically because the preacher's so stressed out and so worried about work and their marriage has kind of lost their spark. So Denzel's like, okay, Julia, I'm going to tell you like your husband's going to take you out to dinner tonight. He's going to take you out dancing. You're going to go on a date. So she gets real excited. She goes upstairs and gets dressed. And then he tells the preacher like, yeah, you're going to take her to dinner. And the preacher's like, I have work to do. Like I have to go to the hospital. I have to visit these people. I'm sorry. You're going to have to deal with it. You're going to need to take her to dinner. So he does. And then this is where we see Lionel Richie, which is the oddest role. And I almost always forget he's in it. So they <laughs> they go to a nightclub called Jazzy. And Lionel is the nightclub owner. And they make him so shady. Like they make it where you know he's like coming on to uh, Whitney Houston. And Denzel's like, oh, absolutely not. Like only I can flirt with her. Like you can't. And... Even well, though she's married to the preacher. Absolutely. Yeah, she's who, married, right? <laughs> yeah, she's married to the preacher. And Denzel is an angel who God sent there to help their marriage and his job. So yeah. So he's kind of being- It's a, not adultery if it's an angel. <laughs> I guess not. And part of it too, and he makes this clear at the beginning, is he says, once I help you, you're not going to remember that I was ever here. You're going to have no memory of me. So I think he thinks like, oh, it's okay. Okay. She, she oh. So while they're at the nightclub. it's like a summer fling. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. And while they're at the nightclub, (laughs) Lionel mentions that like Whitney slash Julia, she used to come there and sing a lot. And Denzel's like, wait a minute, if you can sing. And she's like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really do that anymore. So she gets up on stage and this is the scene that makes me, every single time I see this, I'm like, yes, this is why I love this movie. This is, everybody needs to know about it. So she gets on stage and she sings a song called I Believe in You and Me, which was the big single on the song. We sing it in my seventh grade all girls choir. 
Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. So she gets on stage and she starts singing. <laughs> and at first she's very like meek. And it, it, it kind of reminds me of like Gaga in A Star is Born where like you're supposed to believe like she's afraid to sing in front of people. And then all of a sudden you're like, uh, you're Gaga, you've got this. And then she like really, you know, <laughs> hit, hits that mark and she does great. So that's what happens. So she like goes into it and then all of a sudden you're like, oh no, you're Whitney Houston. You're amazing. And she's hitting all these notes. And then they show Denzel in the audience and he is just acting the crap out of the scene. He looks at her and he is in love with her. You can tell it. And it just like, it just takes my breath away. <laughs> I I feel like it's important to note that I think it is physically impossible for Denzel to give a bad performance. I it's he's it so is. good in everything. He can be the leading man in a bad movie and you can go that movie was bad, but Denzel was not. He is one of the finest living actors around. I love Denzel Washington. Oh, that's yeah, and then I have a, I actually had a thought, Bridget, and I have a question. There is another film from 1996 starring John Travolta. It's called Michael, and he plays an angel in a trench coat. Do you think maybe they're hinting at a shared universe with all of these angels? Maybe even with um, Nicolas Cage and City of Angels. Maybe it's like the 90s MCU. Also, what was with the 90s and all these angel movies? (laughs) I don't know, but I mean, those were very formative years for me. So I am wondering how that affected me. I was a teenager during that time. Um, And Michael, I have to give a shout out to the screenwriter, which is Nora Ephron, which is one of my favorite uh, writers of all time. And Nora Ephron, she wrote Michael. She did. And I don't think I mentioned who The Preacher's Wife was directed by, and I want to step back, uh, Penny Marshall directed The Preacher's Wife. So I've got to yeah. give her a shout out. Um, but yeah, I would love to Penny Marshall, they, actual legend, Penny Marshall. She is. I completely agree. And she, but yeah, I agree that there, I didn't realize Michael was the same year. So for some reason, we did have an obsession I didn't either. with angels coming to earth during that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so funny. And specifically in trench coats and occasionally fedoras, because <laughs> that's what angels were in the 90s. Well, apparently, uh, yeah. That's very funny. What, what, I, was yeah. that, what was that movie with Mark Wahlberg where it turned out the plot twist, they were angels and fedoras the whole time? Was that the Adjustment Bureau? I'm not sure. I'll have to look into I that. I think I yeah, can I'm pretty see sure the, the, the plot co- twist now, of Adjustment... Oh, did you say Matt Damon's in it? Yes. I can see the, um, like, and I want to say, like, Emily Blunt, maybe? It's Emily Blunt. Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, and it's like, he's supposed to be president, and and he meets Emily Blunt, and so the Adjustment Bureau is like, he's not, he's supposed to have a fling with her. They can't, like, have a relationship, and it's like, oh, the, the, the trailers were all like, there's this secret branch of the FBI that are manipulating events in America, and then in the movie, it was like, no, they're angels, plot twist. I've only um, seen the trailer, uh, and your explanation was so good. I knew exactly what you were talking about. I had no idea they were angels. Yes, and it's um oh god, it's that actor. Yeah, it's uh it's the first time I remember being like, I'm gonna pay attention to this Anthony Mackie guy because he's like the lead oh, angel. Yeah. He's not like in charge, but he's got the biggest angel role. But yeah, it's Anthony Mackie, Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, and yeah, it's literally it's like the trailers are all like spy thriller, like ooh, what's this with the government? And then in the movie, it's like <laughs> he's supposed to be president because God said, but they like never say God, and they just like wink about the angel stuff. But it was a uh, weird, weird memory to remember that movie somewhere out of nowhere. That's funny, huh? I literally I probably See, only saw I it because our it. college had free movie night <laughs> and there was nothing else good. It's I liked it. I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> what an interesting concept. See, they they were just like. A little too late. If they would have made that in the '90s, it may have been a bigger hit. Been Oscar. Watch it. Watch it be like a script that was in development for like 15 years, and they just like finally got it made. (laughs) It was supposed to come out in '97. Exactly. I believe it. Probably. Yeah. Um. I also, Bridget. I wanted to. I want to ask. Um. Why? Because you mentioned that they it doesn't have the best rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um. Why would you? Do you think maybe that it's not necessarily well received by everybody? Because from what you've explained to me, it sounds like a delight. But I'm curious, maybe what you think caused the low rating that it has. Um. Yeah. So I was just curious if you have a theory on that. 
I try to figure it out too because the critics score was slightly higher. It was 60%. So, which is technically fresh. That has the little <laughs> tomato next mm-hmm. to it. Um, I definitely think it's not <laughs> very um, like well distributed. Like it's not streaming anywhere. You can rent it. Um, it's a touchstone picture. So it's owned by Disney. Um, so I definitely think this is something Disney plus could put on there if they wanted, but I'm not sure. And I did think about it. I thought if maybe just the idea of like people hear the title and they think it's going to be like a Kurt Cameron, we're trying to convert you type movie and then they run away from it, but it's a very, you know, mainstream secular movie. You get to watch Denzel play an angel. Like you said, he doesn't play, he doesn't have bad roles. Like even films may be bad, uh, but he doesn't, he's Mm -hmm. never bad in a movie. So I, I think it's just, not enough people know about it because this is something that when I would talk to coworkers and we're talking about Christmas movies we love, I've noticed a lot of coworkers haven't even, especially those who are in their 20s or early 20s, have never even heard of it. So it's not like something like Home Alone. Mm-hmm. I've never had to explain Home Alone to anybody. I've never had to uh, try to convince somebody <laughs> that they should watch it. It's just there. So I think if it would be, you know, on more channels yeah. or streaming and people could discover it, I think they would really... Uh, just enjoy it because it's a little wacky. And there's also one thing that I didn't mention that he does that is kind of weird. I mean, he's basically performs like magic tricks. Like this is what angels do is they, you know, I guess he's really performing miracles. But, <laughs> um, and, and there's a scene at the end where he's trying to intimidate Gregory Hines and it really kind of goes off the rails. Um, and he's making like the TV turn on and off and he's like scaring him with his angel magic. honestly this podcast this is the second time that uh we are basically like disney plus put this movie on because with jasmine we had my date with a president's daughter uh which isn't on disney plus and now since this movie is owned by disney put it on disney plus we gotta start a petition so everybody can watch the preacher's wife exactly Um, that's the new platform of uh, the optimist is disney plus these are the things you need to These are the things you need to add for us to watch. <laughs> um, I'm curious, Bridget, um, how often does Whitney sing and it feels like the script was like, well, Whitney is going to be in this movie, so we're going to make sure we get her to sing because that's kind <laughs> of my favorite trope in these kinds of movies. I mean, she's singing from the first probably three minutes of the film The we're at the church, we're in the choir. So because she's in the choir... And it's taking place around a church quite often. And what's even great too is she's also the soundtrack. So there's a wonderful ice skating scene where uh, she and Denzel are ice skating. The preacher is supposed to meet them there because he wants to ice skate with his family. And it becomes this ice skating montage of Denzel and Whitney. She's singing on the soundtrack and the preacher is like trying to get there the fast he can, but as fast as he can, but every light stoplight turns red and you know, it's the angel doing it because he wants to spend more time <laughs> with Whitney. Well, okay. So then I, I now I'm, cause we're, we're, I'm curious now, what is the end game of this movie? Cause it sounds like a little bit, like it could just be Denzel comes down from heaven and steals your woman. Like what? <laughs> like what are we- I know you're very right. And I was like really trying to prepare for this too. Cause as I started recapping the movie, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like what is the point of the ending? Like, it's just one of those things I watched so many times and I love so much that I don't even ask questions about, but what happens is <laughs> basically the evil real estate uh, developer. He kind of has a change of heart once Denzel, um, shows him who he is and makes him realize like what life is about. And it's not about money and knocking things down and like, you know, building big shopping um, centers. So I know that the biggest thing that happens is the preacher finds his purpose again. And he kind of has this renewed faith where he sees that he is doing good. I mean, almost reminds me of it's a wonderful life in a way, like understands that he is needed. Their marriage is kind of revived a little bit. And then I want to say, I think maybe the evil guy ends up giving money to the church because I do feel like there's an overall feeling of like, you're no, you're no longer worried um, for the church. And then once they, at the end of the movie, I want to say it's like the Christmas service and they leave, um, they have no memory of 
uh, Denzel being there, only their son does. So their son is the only one. So he is your narrator uh, telling you the story, saying like, nobody believes me anyways, but this is what actually happened. That's so sweet. That's a that that's a sweet ending. Um, but yeah. also, it's so bizarre that Denzel Washington puts in all this work to get with Whitney Houston, and he's like, "And you'll never remember me," and just disappears. But I, that's sweet. It does have a very it's a wonderful life feel kind of to where it's like he comes to help, and then it's that's it. So yeah, that's it. Sounds very sweet. I want to try and watch it. I recommend it. Like I said, you can, I definitely think it's worth like the $3 to rent because it's just going into it knowing like, (laughs) this is just going to be a good time. It's going to be a feel good movie. We're not watching Citizen Kane. Um, And just have fun. I I mean, you sold it, Bridget, you legit sold it with the cast. Like as soon as I was like, okay, look at these six people at top billing. That is bananas. So exactly. um, And that's why I'm on board. The preacher's wife. You heard it here. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for giving me this platform because I have literally been talking about this movie for years to anyone that would listen. No, I, yeah, I'm very, a lot, now that people have brought in different movies for us to watch and different TV shows, most of the things people have brought in, I've gone and checked out if I haven't seen it before because they, they really sell it and like your whole pitch just of the movie and like, these are the reasons why it's great. It all, it makes me want to watch it and uh, it already makes yes. me kind of love it before I even get into it. Um, like Billy hadn't seen Drop Dead Gorgeous until we had that episode with Drew and then he went and watched it and fell in love. Changed and, my life. Uh, I haven't, I I've told Alex with so Catwoman much. that I would wait and watch it with him, um, but I'm sure I will love that as well. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I just love how passionate our friends are and all of our guests that bring on right. things and it makes me want to watch it. And I hope that's what it does for our listeners too, because if somebody else is so passionate about it, it should inspire you to also take the time <laughs> and check it out. Um, yeah. So thank you, Bridget. Preacher's wife. I I mean, I highly recommend it too. And I haven't even seen it. Thank you. I Penny have- Marshall's The 1996's The Preacher's Wife. Yes, I have one piece of trivia, if that's okay to add, because I think this is interesting. Yes. Yes, um, go for it. One of, so the trivia. script was adapted. The script was adapted from 1947. And I was looking like, well, who were the screenwriters? And it was written by um, two men rewrote it, Nat Malden, who had a lot of TV credits. But the other screenwriter was Alan Scott, who is the creator of The Queen's Gambit. So I thought that was really interesting. Oh, wow. Oh, huh. the, the novel, the Queen's Gambit novel? Well, Very think, cool. Well, I think he's, he's the creator the of the show, Gambit. I believe. Oh, very oh. cool. What's his I name think again? that's right. Alan? I think I got the right. Alan, Alan Scott. Scott. He's very old. Yep, there so he, he is. He wrote, he wrote The Bishop's Wife. He adapted the 1996 one. Yeah. Yep, and he did The Queen's Gambit. Also, Alan Scott is wow. the name of the original Green Lantern from the 30s, who's gay now. Wow. Fun fact. <laughs> That's what I just looked it up in it. I put Queen's Gambit, but it still came up with um, Green Lantern. Green Lantern stuff. Hilarious. That's very That's funny. funny. Well, oh, thanks wow. for bringing this in, Bridget. That's great. And hey, um, uh, uh, Queen's Gambit was great. I'm really glad I watched that earlier this year, and I had a, a fantastic time watching that show. So Queen's Gambit on Netflix, also great. Oh yeah. Uh, so I mean, I talked Bridget... about miniseries last oh, week. So I yeah, I miniseries. Uh, a six to eight episode condensed story that is uh, all in one. I love it. I will take that any day um, that I can consume in like two days and have a full story. I many. Se- I wish we had even more miniseries. I'm glad that there. It's a popular format that has become bigger in America because it was very British for a while to have these miniseries. Um, anyway, that was, uh, every every episode from now on, I'm just going to give you another miniseries to watch. <laughs> So, Bridget, we've come to the conclusion of the show. And as you know, we like to play a game that we call What a Pitch. What a Pitch is where our guest gives me and Dagny something that they want to see, some form of media, and then we have 30 seconds to pitch it to her. Um, Bridget, you get the game. Dagny, who goes first? I think it's me. I think it is too. All right. If uh, Bridget, are you good? I'll take my headphones off. I'm nervous. I'm ready. I'm not good at this game. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm so pumped. Here we go. Headphones off. Oh, let me get my time. All right. Bridget, what do you have for me? Okay, Dagny. So what I would like is I would like a live action remake of a Disney animated film. This can be from any decade. It can be one that has already been made into a live action movie, but I would like it cast with only 
um, Rue Girls. So drag queens that have been on RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay. Give me one second. I just want to decide on a movie. Okay. I mean, first thing that comes to mind is Little Mermaid. I'm just going to go with Little Little Mermaid. Um, So uh, who do I want? I know I want like Bob the drag queen in it. I would have Bob as King Triton um, or and then uh, maybe like Eureka as Ursula. Who do I want for Ariel? Uh, We talked about Manila Luzon. I would have Manila. um, uh, Who are all my favorites? I don't know why I'm blanking on Queens right now. Oh, man. What have I watched recently? Evie Oddly would be good as like one of the eels because she can like bend all sorts of ways. Um, I think that's 30 seconds. I don't know why I blinked on so many of the queens. Um, yeah. Okay, Billy, you can come back. No, that was great. I'm back? Yes. Yeah, I think okay. Billy's going to be better at this because my brain kind of short circuited. Uh, but that's really fun. Okay, Bridget, give no, this I to Billy you since great. he took his headphones off and then uh, he'll probably pop off on this. Okay, here we go. So what I'm asking for, Billy, is I would like a live action remake of a Disney animated film. Any decade can be one that has already been turned into a live action film, but I would like it cast with only Rue Girls. My first impulse was Hercules, but I'm actually going to go with The Little Mermaid because I think there's a lot of options. Um, Ginger Minge is Ursula. That's the first bit. Ginger Minge actually should replace Melissa McCarthy in the upcoming area. Sorry, Melissa. I love you. But Ginger Minge. Um, Ariel. I don't know. Uh, first, off the top of my head, Plastic Tiara. Okay? Great. I don't know why because she's fucking gorgeous. Um, uh, Sebastian is Bob the Drag Queen. Uh, uh, um, um, human. Human Ursula is Willem. Um um, and then Prince Eric, Prince Eric, uh, uh, who's hot. That's kind of my time, but who's really hot out of drag. You know what? I kind of want milk to be Prince Eric, um, milk or, uh, ca- Rose maybe. Um, um, uh, let me cast yeah. one more. Um, um, who could be, uh, for whatever reason, my impulse with Sebastian is Olivia Lux. I don't know where that comes from, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm at, that's sure. I would that. take, yeah. Billy, can you guess what movie I pitched? I don't know about the movie, but I could probably guess the queens after the movie. Did you guess? Did you do the Little no, Mermaid? No, I also pitched Little Mermaid. Fucking hell! Yeah. <laughs> I took notes. If you would like me to compare, so really- you're both brilliant. <laughs> I love both of okay. the options. Um, we also so use Dagny- some of the similar queens, which is funny. Absolutely, and I know I wish you had more time too, because I feel like if we had more time, we could really, you know, get in there. But I'm loving. I would watch either of like these versions. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dag. So Dagny cast. Um, oh, that's wrong. Dagny cast uh, Bob the drag queen as King Triton. Eureka would be. That's Ur- brilliant. It really is, and Eureka is Ursula. Like I, I was like in my mind, I'm like, oh, has she not already done that? Because I could totally, I totally see that. Well, Ursula was. <laughs> Ursula was inspired by Divine, so yes, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Ariel would be played by Manila, and Evie Oddly would be one of the eels, which I think is brilliant. Just because she's great. all bendy. <laughs> oh no, I totally see it, and she yeah, she would just have so much fun. I could just imagine, like I imagine her makeup. Yeah, got it. And then Billy's, of course, Dagny already heard. They're both really good. I really do want to see Eureka as Ursula, but I do think I'm going to have to go with Billy's um, because I would love to see. Oh, uh, <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I really want to see Plastique as um, Ariel. <laughs> as soon as he said Plastique, I was like, yeah, she's so pretty. I would take I just- that. I saw I saw a thing I saw one of her like Instagrams today so she's fresh in my mind although I, there's a part of me too that like wants to make Latrice Royale Ursula as well like I think that would be a really good oh, time yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah but I I love Bob the drag queen as King Triton that's I hilarious and I don't know why I would yeah. I would actually mesh okay, I just both looked at some queens casting choices oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah I think there was a good amount from both um what did I just see that made me Oh, I think um, Cameron Michaels as Prince Eric would be great. That is hilarious. Oh, yeah. I do like that choice. I like that. Cameron Michaels yeah. is Cameron Michaels very as attractive. Prince yes. Eric. <laughs> Did you see? Hold I was on, actually really wait. happy. Cameron Gigi Michaels Good got... in a red wig as Ariel. So <gasps> that tall. Too. Oh my also gosh, I didn't even okay, think of Gigi. <laughs> I just saw. Uh, yeah, I, my 
brain blanked on Rue Girls. And also it just, I thought of a lot of Drag Race UK because that's what I've been watching and it's not as popular yet. Um, but yeah, sorry, what were you saying, Billy? Oh, I just, Cameron Michaels just did a, a look as She-Hulk. Um, <laughs> and honestly, sorry, Tatiana Maslany. I know you're going to be She-Hulk in the Marvel show, but mm-hmm. maybe when you turn into She-Hulk, it can just be Cameron Michaels and it'll be like the old, <laughs> the old Hulk show from the 70s. Where it's just a different actor. But it was, it's nice because Cameron Michaels has just like got those huge <laughs> arms. But yeah, it looks great. Look at Cameron Michaels as She-Hulk. I'm trying to think of a joke about who could play the chef, Chef Pierre. And I think the answer is Alaska. I think Alaska is the chef. <laughs> oh my God. Alaska would be great. Yes. I mean, and I love that you have Willem as a human version of Ursula, which I think it's like something with a V, right? I've forgotten her name, but yeah. um whatever her name is, but I Veronica? totally like he would be, I think that's it. I think it is Veronica, but he would be such shout a shout out to those Disney Anna. animators. Yeah. I think it's really incredible that those Disney animators may manage to give a gar- a cartoon resting bitch face. And they <laughs> did with Veronica. It's amazing. They did. <laughs> She's so evil. So good. Well, thank you for the point, Bridget. I feel very honored. Um, and thank you for coming on Poptimus. This has been great. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. And I loved this topic. It was really, uh, I love when we have movies that Billy and I both haven't heard of because then we get to be educated on it or at least one of us. (laughs) Yes. um, Yeah. Thank you. This was so perfect. Um, I guess I can go ahead and wrap up the show. However, Bridget, I did want to ask, um, I know you said you didn't have anything to necessarily promote, but what, uh, what were the things that you wanted to like recommend slash kind of promote for other people? Cause I, I would like to hear them. Thank you so much. Yes. So I would like to be um, the hype girl for three of my favorite comedians who definitely um, do not need my help. They're doing just fine. But um, Tina Fey has a new show out (laughs) called called The Mayor. And this is not my favorite show of hers. And I say it's hers. She produces it. But as an Angelino, it is so fun. Um, It's a very satirical look at LA. They have a whole episode, which is about... um, the grocery store is running out of avocados. It's really fun and makes me miss <laughs> LA. I I saw the pilot and I really enjoyed it. I, the first two episodes and there and I haven't gone back to it and I should. But I mean, Ted Danson is such a delight. I could watch him breathe. And he's a TV legend. <laughs> I mean, he. I completely agree. He's a huge reason why yeah. this show works. Um, so yeah, that's my recommendation. That's on Hulu. And Amy Poehler has a new movie out on Netflix called Moxie. She produces it, directs it, and is in it. It's based on a book. Um, and it's just a very inspiring film that I recommend everybody watch. And last but not least, Maya Rudolph, who is in so many places right now. Uh, but she's hosting SNL on March mm-hmm. 27th. And I just encourage people to watch because I love her. That will be the Saturday after this. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Uh-huh. So right that will be that yeah, a week and a half after this episode. Got so this it. Will be, this will be the St. Patrick's Day episode. Oh, oh my, my goodness. Gosh. What? Yes, you have a St. Patrick's Day episode. <laughs> if you're listening, get a Guinness, get some whiskey, do some drinking. Um, I'm currently taking a little uh, alcohol break because, you know, sometimes in lockdown, you forget that you've had a drink every night for eight nights in a row. But I will be back <laughs> drinking for one day only on St. Patrick's Day. Listen up, get your Guinness, get your stat, get your Irish nonsense. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, yes. So happy St. Patty's Day, everybody. Um, I'll go ahead and wrap up the show. So thank you again, Bridget. You were a wonderful guest. I'm so glad you were here today. Um, and this has been Poptimist, a pop culture breakdown show. Bridget has a very cute cat behind her right now. Um, pop culture <laughs> breakdown show where we focus on optimism. Um, I'm Dagny. And as always, uh, my name does not have an E in it. And also this is my co-host. Hi, I'm Billy. I'm uh, I'm her brother. That is my brother, Billy. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Also, uh, really quick, if you are enjoying the show, give us a, a rating, a comment, a subscription, any of those things on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And also feel free to email us at poptimistpod at gmail.com with any of your hot takes because we would love to share them either with your name or anonymously for the show um, because we care about your opinion as well as our listeners. Um, so that's all. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good that night. Lovely. So sayonara, everybody. It's been a. It's been lovely. Have a great day. Say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>